What's up, podcast? Welcome back to another episode of Hospitality TV. I am your host, Rafael Peterson, and this is your direct connect to everything revolving around the hospitality industry. On today's episode, we got to sit down with Ana Rato. She is the current marketing director for Ramos Pinto Wines out of Portugal. Obviously, the main focus here is their port wine production. I was able to visit the area earlier this year. Um, absolutely stunning for those of us in the wine industry, being able to check off the Duero Valley uh, from the list was just absolutely amazing. She is a wealth of knowledge. Um, we talked a lot about the production of port wine, and I really hope you enjoy hearing a fresh perspective on how these wines are made. Please let me know what you think in the comments, and thanks again for taking the time to listen. Please enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome back, guys, to another episode of Hospitality TV. Um, today, we're back at Born and Raised in San Diego, home base. Uh, today, I'm super pumped for this episode. I get to have in a super special guest that I met during my last trip to Portugal, um, Portugal and Spain, actually, but this was during the northern part of the trip. Um, Ana Brato from Ramos Pinto. How are you today? I'm cool. I'm very happy to be in San Diego. It's my first time. First very time excited. in San Diego. <laughs> yes. We're super glad to have you. Um, I'm super excited to have you here as well. I, I got to start off by saying something. I, I When I visited the property of Ramos Pinto um, in Porto, you know, the way that I was received there and uh, not just the treatment, because yes, we had a great lunch and there was these other things that were involved, but just like the, the, the way that you were doing your job and the enthusiasm that you had behind describing the story of Ramos Pinto and you know the amazing storage and blending facilities that exist there and just kind of transmitting that story and just honestly all the energy even in between those places going from one place to the next I literally left there and I was I was asking myself how I can replicate what I was feeling in that moment to the guests that come into this restaurant because I felt freaking great and I felt so well received. Um, you're such a good host, thank you for that. Again, I think I told you that, but I just wanted to re reiterate that. I, I felt really good being there. Um, you're really good at what you do. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Rafael. No, I think you probably do the same here in your restaurant because uh, I, I, I feel that. You, the way you, you talk and you see that in the eyes of the people and I think in, in Ramos is, is the same. Uh, what you say I think people love to work at Ramos and uh, because of that we, we take care of every detail and we really enjoy what we're doing mm -hmm. and for us uh, it's amazing to be able to show to people all the uniqueness of every place and it's absolutely magical I've been working in Ramos for the last 25 years and still I go every day and I feel that Evermore is amazing, Bon Retiro is amazing, all the estates we have are absolutely different every day we, we go there. And that is part of the magical. And then the wines. And then, yeah. and then you get to taste the wines that change every year because we're not doing big quantities, we just do, do wines with our grapes from mm -hmm. our estate. So every year is a different, a different uh, wine, a different uh, place. So it's it's really magical mm -hmm. to, to work with boards and door wines. So I, I can't wait to talk about that in a second, but I want to just backtrack a little bit because I'm not sure if we spent too much time talking about kind of how you came to work for Ramos Pinto. Kind of just, if you wouldn't mind just giving us a brief, you know, two to three minute little yeah. or whatever um, kind of introduction on how you got into the wine business and how you got to where you are now. 
I, I, I was, I was uh, finishing college, and one of my teachers were was was uh, responsible in a was in a board uh, in, a, in a company in a wine company, and he opened some some places for marketing. And I said, well, I'm gonna try wine. Uh, I always had contact because everybody in Porto, uh, in our village, we have contact with, with wine, either by the, the Vinho Verde from, from the north mm-hmm. or from the Douro. Mm-hmm. So we always have an uncle that has a production or ourselves. So, um, so I entered to work for another company for three years and I loved it. And one thing that I, I find amazing is that people that start working at wine industry, at least in Portugal, you never leave it. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened, but we're hooked. <laughs> so we, we and and then after three years, uh, Ramos Pinto had one 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 um, opportunity. So I I it was in the end of this uh, of of the process, and I said, yeah, I would love to work with Ramos because it was a diff- different uh, approach. There was a company uh, before that was uh, kind of a big company, and I wanted to be. More connected with uh, with the terroir, with the, with the place, with the sense of place, and, uh, and that was Ramos Pinto with with their own uh, state. So, I've been there for the last twenty five years, and I'm very happy. And uh, we always have challenges, and it's not. And I know it's not very common in the in the states to stay in a company for that long, but I I, I, I assure you. There's not one year that is the same as the previous one because yeah. we have so many different things. Uh, that's always interesting. We were always in the marketing division of Ramos Pinto. Uh, yes, but uh, first I worked with uh, whiskey uh-huh. for five years, and then uh, at the time Ramos Pinto represented some some whiskies and some imported uh, spirits, mm. and then. Uh, up to the year 2000, we decided just to 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 go in our own uh, in our own way path, which would be develop our wines, our steel wines, our ports, and so then I was invited to to work for marketing and to start uh, the marketing uh, department. Interesting. I, I, I didn't know that they represented whiskies. Which whiskies yeah. were they representing? Uh, it was Cutty Sark. Uh, it was Glen Goyne. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, uh, some some uh, some uh, brands of uh, um, uh, other 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 uh, vodka okay. and uh, some other spirits. Okay, interesting. And was that after um, the Louis Rodever purchase yes. that they decided uh, to? No, no. It, this this was always after because Louis Rodever uh, bought us in nineteen ninety. Mm-hmm. So this was after. Although they already have. Uh, the the whiskey side. Right. So they bought us in 1990, but we already have the, the whiskey side. Yeah. So can we, I'd love to talk about kind of like port and how it became to be what it is today, and then maybe a little bit about you know the different styles of ports that exist, right? Um, but can you give us a little background on how port became the beverage that it is today? <laughs> that is a challenge. Oh, uh, so I know uh, it's probably a big question. Um, well, first, port is a unique, uh, a unique wine. Mm. It's a wine that obviously all wines have their own terroir, mm. and uh, every wine has their own uniqueness. 
But fourth is, uh, is some some uniqueness, which is the the, the amazing ability to age. Mm -hmm. uh, apart from Tokai, probably I wouldn't or Madeira. I wouldn't think about any other wine that has this this aging potential, which is absolutely unbelievable. So and um, also uh, another uniqueness is is the diversity on on uh, on grape varieties. We have more than 80 different grape varieties, reds, and, and more than 30 wines. Mm -hmm. So the, the amount of, of different blendings we can do mm -hmm. and, and make a unique wine, even me and my neighbor, we will do different wines, right. even if we are you know, side by side, because the terroir is different, the, the exposition is different, the altitude is different, and the grape varieties we use are totally different. So it's kind of like having colors and be an artist and uh, you paint your own canvas with different colors and that's that's the Doro and that's the port, right. that's the uniqueness of, of port. Now to go further in your question, to explain a little bit about port, um, uh, port has been a, a, a wine, you know it's a fermented wine of course, so it is a wine that we don't we don't ferment until the end, so we have some residual sugar. Mm -hmm. So we cut the fermentation by killing the yeast, by adding brandy at 77 degrees, and then stops uh, and, and wine is finished. So then, because uh, that wine we put in different uh, aging uh, vessels, let's say, they become one family or other. So if we put in small oak barrels, they become tawny ports. If we if we keep them in big oak vats, and I mean big like twenty thousand liters, thirty thousand liters, uh, they stay uh, as a ruby port, and these are the main two families of port. Ruby and tawny. Yeah. At what point do you decide in what direction it's going to go? So you have you harvest your grapes that you bring in right from throughout the Duero and these different regions, and you bring them. Into the winemaking facility, and yeah. pardon my the, the crudeness of my vocabulary around this, but um, and then you you know you go through the fermentation process that you use, um, you know the brandy to kind of fortify the spirit, stop the fermentation, right? You have this juice here. At what point do you decide? Oh, we're gonna this is gonna be used for ruby port, and or maybe potentially for aging for for vintage port, or this is gonna go into a separate area where we're gonna, where we're gonna start using it for. 10, 20, 30, 40 yeah. year, you know, indication of age port. So, um, basically, uh, also the vinification decides a little bit what type of wine we're going to do. Uh, in our house, which is also very unique, we do the, the 20 year old, the 30 year old, Tony, the um, LBV and the vintage, we uh, ferment in the lagar. Mm -hmm. So the fermentation is done in like a, you know, a lagar is like a, a small swimming pool mm -hmm. that we put the grapes inside and then we put men inside to stomp. And you're still doing the manual foot stomping? Exactly. <laughs> we do the men stomping and also we have acquired some robotic lagars mm -hmm. uh, that also do the work. But mainly with men stomping. So this is always the way we vinify, we ferment for our special categories. Then also uh, the style of the wine that you get because we, we, we vinify grape variety by grape variety and then in the end, mm -hmm. even if it's not done in the lagar, if it's uh, 
barrel fermented in, in, in vats, um, we know the style of the wine that we're getting. So in the end, we get different grape varieties, we do the blends, and then we see if there is a wine that it doesn't have a lot of color, or maybe the color has a, some characteristics that we think they're not so stable, probably will be better as a Tony Port. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Ruby style will be like a dark, very, very fruity, uh, red fruits. So this would go for, uh, for a Ruby. Okay. But it mainly we know because we, you know, for us now the wines is about uh, uh, and, and the harvest is about doing it in, in, in the vineyard. So we know each vineyard goes to where. Right. And that is very important. And that doesn't change. Like, Sometimes it yeah. can change. Mm -hmm. But m normally we, 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 we pretty know over the years, mm -hmm. uh, the people know that a certain vineyard, right. uh, it's really good for this kind of, 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 of style. Right, right. Or, or this kind of wine. Not exactly that it's going to be uh, um, a Tony or a Ruby, but mm -hmm. definitely that this is going to be an outstanding quality. Right. You know, some sometimes old vineyards, vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, younger vineyards. You know, these these kind of decisions. We already, you know, our our viticultural uh, manager. He already knows every end of winemaker. Right. He knows, and 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 Anna Roses, she's our master blender. She knows because she knows she goes to the vineyard too. Right. And <clears throat> and they know the, the the grapes. Yeah. So it's so interesting. Like I, I'm curious where this obsession with, like, the progression of port and the the sorry the, the concept of time. I feel like with port and aging ports is so um, unique to the area, right? I don't think anybody else like. You know, you don't really have, I mean, I guess you do have, you know, for Azu, there's vintage Tokai and, you know, there, there, there's certain vintages that are there, but just the concept of aging in 10, 20, 30, 40, yeah. and then declaring specific vintages is so unique to the identity of port. Where did that come from? Yeah, I know. It, I think... I, I heard think, that the English created kind of more of like, they started coining the concept of vintage ports. Uh, I, I think traditionally uh, the English always uh, liked the, the, the vintage port or were more connected with the vintage port. Uh, however, and, and, the, and, the, and the Portuguese families, but I think it's more like a question of, of a kind of a profile. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, for example, the States and, and the U UK, Denmark, for example, I think maybe the northern countries uh, would prefer uh the ruby style vintage port whereas for example france portugal spain we would be more like a tony kind of uh, oh, interesting. but having said that for example the last years you see a lot of progression with the uh, with the tony ports mm -hmm. because the vintage port used to be seen as a gentleman's um you know, kind of drink right uh and now thank god is not seen like that and i think it's coming because mostly of the of the tonys I think Tony's has been a revolution for port mm -hmm. and has worked marvelous for for reviving uh, because it's it's a one that is uh, a lot uh, is, is is very gourmet it's very versatile right uh, and the fact that you actually serve it chilled mm -hmm. it really helps uh, the perception on on the food and the and the versatility mm -hmm. of, of of the wine um, but it's it, I think it was a question of 
beginning when people started having ports. Mm -hmm. It was the vintage port, but I think that that kind of separation blurred. I think now uh, ports are, I think they're sometimes complicated to explain because mm -hmm. there's a lot of, of different uh, types of port. Uh, but it's because we are very specific in Portugal. We like to have a certain <laughs> wine for a certain kind of right. food. Yeah. Well, so, it's so funny. Like even like believe me, we can have e every kind of port to different things. Right. And, and it will be perfect. Yeah. No, I know. I, I tried it firsthand. It's, I, <laughs> I believe you. It's um, it's funny because when you, you know you when you first start to study a little bit about wine, um, and you learn about how they are. You know, vintage port is straightforward. It's coming from a specific vintage. You know, the producer. Um, you can look up all the all the specifics that go into that wine. But when you start studying about 10, 20, 30 years, and you know, you look at a 20 year, for example, and how they need to present it to a council of somebody who's gonna deem that, oh yeah, that kind of tastes like a 20 year port. It's just, it's funny because when you're studying it, it seems so vague. You know, forgive me for saying, yeah, yeah. And like, how do they come up with that to call it a 20 year, you know, 20 year port? Um, and then I went to go to the blending facility that we were at and it just completely paints a different picture of how you actually come up, um, come to that decision of what a 20 year tawny should taste like and why. Um, I wonder if you could explain a little bit about, go into a little bit of depth about, you know, how you come up with the blending process for 10, 20, 30 year, um, how you present it and kind of what it means to, to you guys. Yeah, thank you, Rafael. You know, it's really it's really special, the, the blending, the art of blending mm -hmm. in ports. Uh, the, our, our master blender, Ana Rosa, says that the vintage port is the work of God because we do the wine, we produce the wine with a date. After two years, goes to um, we bottle it, mm -hmm. so goes to the bottle, we close the bottle and we pray that's going to be good because <laughs> we can't do anything else. Right. Okay. Whereas the Tony ports is the work of men because it's, it's, a, it's a, a work. It's like raising a kid. It's like, you know, you, you have, you're doing wines, like you were saying the 10, 20 and 30, you're doing wines every year that, that next year you do another blend but you don't have the same wines because they're gone but you have to perpetuate a certain style so actually one of the great things people can say about ramos is that we are very consistent mm -hmm. and for that we need to have an amazing library of old wines to be able to ha to have this consistency over and over year the years the same style then it comes also the, the what you were saying about the the council that uh, that grant like the you know the, the seal of approval mm -hmm. which also is very important to us obviously this council didn't didn't exist forever uh, this was not uh, this was not uh, probably a hundred years ago uh, and but this was very good to ensure that over time the style of port in general as a whole, um, was um, a kind of a it, it, it was a good style and and in stable in quality. So I I I think everybody and I like I said I've been working in in, in the industry for the last probably thirty years and uh, and I've seen a lot and I think everybody's doing amazing amazing wines in the industry all 
all pork producers and doral producers is a thrilling, I think, region to be in uh, because everybody's trying to do their best and, and each company has his own style and his own option, uh, philosophy or work. Uh, but the quality in the end is, is amazing amongst uh, us all. And, and in, in, in the case of Ramos, it's all about, it's all about our own vineyards and, and, and taking care of these, of these vineyards. And then showing these, you know, that by law, all the wines that go out of anybody, they have to be uh, approved. So we send a sample to the consul, the Institute of Port Wine and Dor Wine, uh, and they approve the style. And also, if we're saying it's, for example, a 10-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old, they have to also know that we are doing the wines with an average age of 10, 20, and 30. And that's very important also for the, the consumer to know that all the port wines that have the stamp, they are approved by the Institute of Port and Door Wine as having that kind of style and honest uh, 10, 20, and 30 years average so uh this is also very i don't know if the consumer knows that but this is very also very important to us because this ensures it's a warranty um but then the style that we do with the blending uh it's 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 very interesting because for example this year if you take every harvest you take the wines and you have to decide the ones you're going to use this year for the next blends but also the ones that you're going to keep for three generations mm -hmm. from you that's going to use those wines for the next 10, 20, and 30. And you're gonna use some wines that were left from three generations before for you to be able to do an outstanding 10, an outstanding 20, an outstanding 30 years old. So what you saw uh, in that blending uh, tasting room, which is called uh, the piano Ramos Pinto, mm -hmm. you know this little stall oh, yeah. with the with the with the, the bottles. Tubes, yep. So these all these bottles are all the bottles that Ramos has available to blend at this time, mm -hmm. and and this is very important because. Can you give us an uh, an estimate of how many different wines go into our base of of more like in a blending sixty to hundred. Could be like fifty different wines in one blend, and and the different vintages. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely because uh, it's an average age, and, and and so you can blend a little bit. For example, an old uh, Tony Port, like a thirty year old, you you have very old wines, but you also need some some kind of freshen a sure. little bit the wines, so you don't taste just a lot of wood. Because if you imagine. A Tony Port goes to 650 liter barrels, so they spend a lot of time in those barrels. Right. So they are woody. Right. So you need to you need to to have some finesse, some elegance on, on the wine. That's what we are aiming. Yeah. You know. So you look for that in the, in the wines, and so the blends can be of old wines, for example, in the 30 year old, but you still have some younger wines to make it, you know. The acidity or the or the citrusy side, the, the freshness that we have in our thirty-year-old. Right. It's very unique. Well, I think if I recall correctly, in the even in the twenty-year tawny, you were using a little bit of the nineteen twenty-four. Exactly. And I, I still, just from pure impact and thought-provoking nature of a wine, it's probably one of the top wines I think I've ever had because I was so shocked at 
how fresh it was. Yeah. I mean, for 1924, I, I mean, I think the oldest actual wine I've had was like 61, um, and it was on the it was a Bordeaux. You know, it's good, but it was also on the verge of being like, this is more of an experience than yeah. an enjoyable beverage. And that wine was unbelievable. I mean, it was still fresh. It had so much fruit to it. Um, it was so complex. I couldn't believe it. Not to mention that, you know, when somebody's getting a 20-year tawny, I don't know how many people out there realize that there's actually a little bit of, of, uh, nine, yeah, of, of hitch, like 1924 wine that's going in here. It's just amazing. Um, and the amount of difference that a small quantity does in a blend, mm -hmm. it's really amazing. Yeah. Because it adds the complexity, the finesse, the... the the elegance of, yeah. on, on the wine, but but adds layers and uh, it's beautiful. The thirty-year-old, the oldest wine is nineteen hundred. Mm -hmm. So also we we add these these little salt and pepper, the the bonificata as we call it. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to the blend. <laughs> it's funny. I know. I, I remember. I kept on asking for you know more details <laughs> about what you guys are putting in the wine and. It's a very uh, almost you know the, the, the it's a very proud, uh, well kept secret I think right of what the blender was kind of relaying not so much a secret but he just it was more of a feeling right I think yeah. I was approaching it much more of a like a methodical sommelier like I want the answers you know <laughs> no, versus like he's like no 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 you're approaching it the wrong way like we're we don't look at it that way no it's it's not per se you know an exact formula we're more getting a feel for what this wine should Absolutely. taste like. But but that, that's actually, sometimes people find it difficult to understand. It's not a recipe, it's never a recipe. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about the wines, itself, each wine is different. So you can't get the same wine next year. So you have to start all over again, doing your own style of 20 year old, that you want to be the same as last year, mm -hmm. but with different wines. Mm -hmm. So actually it's like, what he said and, and what like Anna, vintage champagne kind yeah, of right? yeah exactly exactly so you have uh to think about and retaste and retaste and retaste and think about the 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 identity of each wine mm -hmm. each tawny and make them and and then again the, the challenge also is the blending it's the marriage between the the wines because uh when when you're doing a, a 10 year old the blending and, and and the marriage on the wines is really easy but, but when you get to a 20 or a 30, it takes longer mm -hmm. because the wines have their own. It's like when uh, probably adults, if we're young and we marry young, it's very easy. But if, if we marry when we're really old, we, <laughs> each of us, you know, bring so much luggage <laughs> <laughs> that sometimes takes a little bit. It's to, hard for it to know, mesh. To yeah, match. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so that's, that's a, a little bit like the 20 and the 30. Mm -hmm. They are like that. They, mm -hmm. they will take longer to adapt and to merge as a... Is and, and balance and to, to, to be a balanced uh, mm -hmm. ten and twenty year old. So not to not to beat a dead horse here, but like you know, <laughs> for example, like thirty year tawny, like it's it's when you're presenting to the um, to the association and for approval, right? Do you have an idea of kind of like what they're looking for? And I guess my question is like, you're not trying to recreate a wine that was made thirty years ago. You're not trying to recreate like a nineteen ninety. Oh, vintage no. pours. What's the difference? You know, how would you explain that difference between like a thirty-year tawny versus a vintage. a vintage that was made thirty years yeah. ago? And like, and how is how do you think the association is? Look, what do you think they're looking for? Yeah, that, I'm that, sorry that, if that's two different questions. No, I think, that, but like, that, that is a very good question. A, a vintage port, uh, you're looking for the fruit mm -hmm. when you do it, mm -hmm. okay? And and you're looking for um, a certain quantity of 
stable tannins and structure that uh, will will able it to to age. So then, what you're looking for in the end is a wine that is now mostly now. Uh, what uh, I think most of the people is looking for is a vintage port is a wine that is approachable young when you launch it. So full of fruits, mm -hmm. red fruits, mm -hmm. uh, with structure, but that is pleasant to drink. But then that over time will have ability because of the structure and the potential uh, that in 20 years, 100 years, it will be a pleasant wine to drink. Mm -hmm. Obviously not the fruit, but you know, the, 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 the result of a wine that's been aging in a bottle for a hundred years or 50 years. Whereas a Tony is totally different. A Tony, what you're, again, the, the style of, of fruits that you've, you, uh, and the, the profile of the wine is different. So it's a wine uh, that you're looking for, the, the, the dry fruits at first. Mm -hmm. So a, a style of 10 years, mm -hmm. for example, is, is a style that you look, at, at least in Ramos, uh, we, we're looking for the dry fruits um, and a kind of long finish. And that's what we're aiming to have every year, a wine that gives you that experience. And, and in our case, because it comes from one estate, which is also unique because uh, it's from Erva Moira. It's young vines, so it's 40 years old mm -hmm. uh, vines, which for us is still young. Right. So we want to be like the fruits are are amazing and very present and um, and bright in a way. Although they're being being dried, they're very mm -hmm. bright. Um, whereas the 20 year old, what you're looking uh, is more like a balance, an adult, you know, a balanced wine. So you 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 still have some fruit. But you start to have secondary aromas, and you, you 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 see more elegance. And then this refers also to the style of the house. If you ask me our style, I would say fruit and finesse and elegance. That's what we're always and and freshness. Mm -hmm. there's, there's this I would say three things that we look for in, in a wine. Uh, and and the and the twenty year old, like you said, is exactly that. Is that I think is is the balanced Tony. So you get the fruit, you get the nutties, nutty scents and creamy and then kind of um, chocolate and uh, Brazil nuts and uh, these kind of these kind of flavors. But then the third year old, then it's what I think it's it's, it's a wine that you you totally go in, in a different direction. You go like you have more like a cognac aromas. Mm. Uh, and more like with, with an amazing, uh, like I said, citrusy side that doesn't make it uh, lean or or you kind of get this freshness in the end. So uh, so it's these different styles of, of wines that you actually look for every time you do a blend. And it's a profile, let's say, of a wine mm -hmm. that uh, we hope doesn't change even using different wines. Mm -hmm. okay. Amazing, yeah, it's a great breakdown. I love that approach. Um, I wanna ask you a different type of question here because I know we have to wrap up here pretty soon. Um, but I'd love if you could give me um, your input or your take on kind of with the purchase of, you know, Ramos Pinto started off as such a family. You know, we talked a lot about the history of Ramos Pinto and like what he was an amazing artist and all these things that he did very, uh, you know, family-driven business to the point where they're bought out by a much larger company like 
like Louis Roederer, right? And I ask this because when these types of things happen, like especially in the Psalm community, people are like, oh my God, they got bought out by the big bad wolf. You know, it's the cunly, they want to stick the finger to the man. And like, oh, we, you know, we were all about like the small little guy. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people say that because there's like this rage against the machine type thing. And, and, and but a lot of people, a lot of times people say that without really fully knowing what's happening. You know, I remember going to a larger quote unquote um, winery in, it's not even that large, but in, in Cornaw in, in the Northern Rhone last year um, that had been bought out by a larger company too. But it was still very family run. I mean, I literally had dinner with the winemaker and the owner. Um, and I got to speak to his wife too about how like, you know, that being with a larger company too allowed them to give that much more back to the community and actually protect the environment and like the ecosphere that surrounds all of their vineyards. And it was, you know, they have this whole like bee population that they were able to bring in there that was just, you know, really helping the environment thrive. So. There's all these other things that come in hand, hand in hand when you have you know, a little bit more support. Um, yeah. I wonder if you could just kind of tell us a little bit about the maybe pros and cons, if any, of you know a purchase by Louis Roederer. So, I might you you might think I, I I'm a bit corny, but uh, I have to say something about that question. I think the huge difference between uh being bought by louis rudder or other companies is that louis rudder is a passionate company with passionate people uh that that, that uh, manage it and it's family owned with people that were actually in the in the champagne business so it's not it's they are not from from outside the wine business mm -hmm. And uh, they aim to buy companies that have the same passion. And one very intelligent uh, thing that they do is that they understand that wine is culture. And the culture of the place, not that they can come from Champagne and do uh, the same thing in all uh, their all their new estates. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what happened with the, with the, with the Ramos when we were bought by Monsieur Jean-Claude Rousseau in 1990. He came to, to buy another company and he was taken for the weekend to Herva Moira and he completely fell in love with Herva Moira with, 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 with the vineyard. And so Monday, next Monday, when he came back, he just completely didn't close the deal with the other company and, and bought us. And what they did was they, they understood that uh, uh, port and, and the door wines were were unique and they allowed us in a very again intelligent way to continue being managed by the same company that founded the the, the, the company so we we still have george roses who is the ceo and anna roses she's the master blender so we still have the, the the family managing the company and doing the wines in the company but also allowed us to have the experience and the investment, obviously, from which is very important in, 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 in and it was very important at the time in in, uh, in Ramos Pinto, and still is, in a way that we benefit from that. For example, in terms of the um, of of what you were saying previous about uh, taking care of the environment. Uh, for example, we were the first people in in the Doro uh, to stop using uh, herbicides. 
and and that was something that uh, we decided but again it's something that we also uh, study together and decide together because there is a lot of, of, of research that we do in, in the Louis River and the other, like uh, the other estates like Domenot uh, do and, and we share knowledge. Uh, and that is very important for, for creating these, these, uh, these, to create the uniqueness and, and, and stay true to our culture. Mm -hmm. So it was only good things, I have yeah. to say. And uh, being me, being marketing, I have to say another big advantage uh, was uh, also the, the, the distribution. Uh, the distribution uh, that Louis Rudder has also helped uh, us getting access to, to, to foreign markets, to export markets mm -hmm. that, uh, that would take us probably a little bit longer. So I think it has been a very amazing uh, uh, time and marriage between yeah. the, <laughs> the between companies. The two. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, I know we got to wrap up. We have a tasting to get to. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but you're Thank absolutely you so much, amazing. Rafael. Thank you so much Thank for your you. time. I appreciate you. It was a pleasure to, to have you in Portugal, and I hope you come back. <laughs> I cannot wait to get back there. It was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.